We pray. Dear Lord, dear Lord, thank you for bringing us here this morning. Lord, thank you for helping us to settle down and find a spot for our sermon. Uh, Lord, Lord, sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. Bless us as we study your word today. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Jesus, do you ever feel like there is a war going on? Yes. So I'm not the only one. Uh, do you ever feel like there's a war going on? And do you ever feel like it's a cosmic battle between good and evil? And do you ever feel like the very future of the human race is at stake? There's a war going on, a battle between good and evil, and the very future of the human race is at stake. Do you ever feel that way? If I believe all the stuff that goes in my mailbox, then that's how I'm supposed to feel, I guess, about the election this week. Even though there's an election every two years, and even though it kind of swings back and forth between one side and the other, every single time it is presented as though the world is going to end if we elect the wrong candidate, right? The future is in our hands. Um, so politics could make you feel like this, like there is a war going on, like it's a battle between good and evil, and like the survival of humanity is at stake. But there's other things than politics that can make you feel this way. It might be other topics like the health of our planet, for example. Are we really doing everything we can to take care of it? Is our planet really going to be here in 500 years? Or it could be other topics. Topics like crime and racism and poverty and injustice and how do we deal with all these issues within our society. It could be topics like uh, COVID, which, I mean, COVID was a 19. Pretty soon we're going to be into a 24, uh, 23. I don't even know how time is flying by. But we're still talking about COVID and what's the proper response and what's the improper response and how do the different responses affect different groups of people. So this topic could make you feel this way. But the list goes on and on. I think really you could list endless <coughs> topics that when you think about them and talk about them, it makes you feel like there's a war going on. And it's a battle between good and evil and like the very future of humanity is at stake. So here's my question for you. Why do we feel this way all the time? Why are we so constantly made to feel as though there's this cosmic battle between good and evil happening? Well, the answer is because there is a cosmic battle between good and evil happening. And the very future of the human race does depend on it. But it's a different war, it's a different battle than maybe we think it is, and it's against a different opponent than maybe we think it is. So this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about war. And the first thing we'll talk about is the first war that ever happened. In Revelation chapter 12, God tells us about the first war that ever happened. And it wasn't a war that happened in this world. It was a war that happened in the heavenly realms, as the Bible calls them. And then the combatants in this war were not human beings. They were angels. Here's what it says in Revelation 12. Then war broke out in the heavenly realms. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back but he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. 
The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. So the first war ever was Satan's rebellion against God, and the result of that war was that Satan lost. But that doesn't mean that he quit fighting. So instead, what Satan has done ever since that original war is to lash out at God every way that he can find. And eventually, actually very quickly, it seems he thought of a very impactful way to hit God where it hurts, that Satan would pull God's beloved human beings into a rebellion against God. And so that is how we get to a picture like this. That is how we get to the Garden of Eden, where a woman is having a seemingly innocent conversation with a snake, if there's such a thing as a seemingly innocent conversation with a snake, but you know the results of this conversation. That Eve took the forbidden fruit and she ate it and she shared some with her husband and that brought the whole human race into the rebellion that we know now as sin. So we know this, this is the story of, of the Bible. It makes it very clear that ever since that day in the Garden of Eden, every human being has been born into this state called sin, which is really just a state of rebellion against God. So what does that look like? It doesn't mean everyone is born into this world uh, like as an atheist, refusing to admit that God exists. The vast majority of people believe in some kind of God. It's not God's existence that we have a problem with. It's God's authority that we have a problem with. We don't want to follow God by nature. We don't want to listen to God by nature. We want God to listen to us. We want God to follow our ideas. We want life to happen the way that we think that it should happen. And if God is not willing to run our life according to our plan, then we are more than willing to explain God out of the picture. So that's what it means that we're born into sin. We're born into rebellion against God. And if we remain in this rebellion against God, we know the end result is that we're going to end up being separated from God eternally in those spiritual realms. So, from the devil's perspective, even though he lost the original rebellion in heaven, this seemed like a pretty brilliant move to tempt the whole human race into sin. It's now passed on through generations. It almost might look like, as we look back at this, that the devil was winning. And in fact, he would have been winning were it not for one incredible weapon, and that weapon is the astounding love of God. Because God had a counter move. And we know this from the Bible. It was a counter move that was so surprising that even the brilliant devil couldn't think of it himself. It was the idea that God would punish himself for the rebellion of his people. God would send himself to hell. God would suffer his punishment so that you and I can go free. So that we can be pulled out of the rebellion and restored to the side of good forever. But in order to do this, counter move, God needed to set the table for a few thousand years of human history. Um, many things had to happen before the time had fully come. And so as God is setting up history for the Savior to come to our world, the devil is opposing God and fighting against God and his people at every turn. And so this is the actual story of the human race, human history. 
Human civilization is the story of a cosmic battle between good and evil. And it's a battle where the very survival of the human race is at stake. You've got God versus the devil battling one another in the spiritual realms with angels and demons providing backup. This is the reality that's taking place behind the scenes of all of human history. This is your reality and my reality, whether we recognize it or not. So this is the big theme of our November sermon series, is there are things that we see that are going on in our life, and then there are a lot of things that we don't see that are going on in our life. And the things that we don't see in the heavenly realms, as the Bible calls them, are some of the most important and impactful things for each one of us. Um, So let's talk about this reality which the Bible unveils for us. What is going on behind the scenes in the heavenly realms right now? Well, one thing that is always happening in the heavenly realms, the spiritual world, is that the devil continues to work hard. The devil continues to prowl around like a roaring lion, the Bible says, looking for someone to devour. So how does he do this? Well, in ancient times, the devil prowled around and attacked people by intimidating and terrifying people with his power. So the devil would work through shamans and priests and witch doctors, and he would, in some small ways, with the limited power he has, he would perform some miraculous signs that couldn't be explained. He would give people little windows in the physical world to the fact that there is a spiritual world out there. And he would beckon people further and further into the game, urging them to create superstitions and idols and totems that could serve as conduits into the spiritual world. What was the devil's goal with all of this? It wasn't to convince people that there's no God, but it was to lead people to believe they could have the kind of God they wanted. A God who would make their crops grow. A God who would curse their enemies. A God who would reward them for their piety and give them whatever they wanted in return. A God who would let people call the shots. And if Satan is luring people into the worship of a God like this, you see what he's really doing is locking people into a rebellion against the real God. And it worked in some cases, and it worked for a long time. And in fact, in some parts of the world, it's still working today. This is how the devil's still operating today. But in our culture, in our modern-day Western society, the devil has come up with a new strategy, a new game plan, and here and now his strategy is to convince people, essentially, that he doesn't exist. That a devil is like a funny cartoon character or a cute Halloween costume, but that a devil is certainly not a real spiritual being because there are no real spiritual beings, because there is no spiritual world. This physical material world is all that there is, is now the mindset that the devil is pushing. So we talked about this in Bible study last week. Uh, We drew it on the board, this idea, this worldview where human beings are in a closed box. Everything in that box is potentially knowable and understandable by human beings. Nothing outside of that box exists. Do you see what the devil is trying to do? with this modern-day strategy, this strategy of pretending that he doesn't exist. 
if the devil doesn't exist, God doesn't exist either. And then all we have is this material world, and then all we ever will have is this material world. And once that mindset is in place, once we're in this box and it's closed and this is all we have, now there's a bunch of people crammed in that box, the devil's next move is maybe quite predictable. He turns us against each other. And so this brings us to that war mentality we started with at the beginning. And I think in this context, it just makes perfect sense. Think about this. If this life is the only life we're ever going to have, if this planet is the only planet we're ever going to have, if this society is the only society we're ever going to have, we better not mess it up. And if God is not in the picture, then we as human beings are the ones in charge of all of it. And so we take politics and social issues and global issues so incredibly seriously because this world is all we've got and we have got to make it as good as it can possibly be. And if that's what we're doing and if that's our context, there is nothing more frustrating than a person on the other side. A person who has opposite views, a person who doesn't agree with what we're saying, or worst of all, doesn't care. That type of person infuriates us. We want to grab them and shake them. We want to yell in their face, don't you see you're ruining it for all of us? Because you're refusing to get a vaccine. Because you're making people get a vaccine. Because you're refusing to wear a mask. Because you're making people wear masks. Because you're ruining the earth by not recycling. Because you're ruining the economy with all your environmental regulations. Because you want this to be taught to my kids in school. But you want this to be taught to my kids in school. We even have a name for it. Culture wars. But it's all so foolish because what is really happening behind the scenes is the devil has stepped back. He has backed himself out of the picture so that now it's just us turned on each other. And so we bring all of our energy and all of our passion and all of our hatred into this battle against other people. And we're killing each other while the devil sits in the background and laughs as our society slides further and further away from the truth, just locked in rebellion against God, still trying to run things ourselves, still trying to be our own God. And the reason I keep saying we and our is because Christians do this too. This happens to Christians too, doesn't it? In this hostile, warlike society, we so easily start to identify people from different backgrounds, different political opinions, different ideologies. We start to identify different people as our enemies. And we're tempted to spend our entire life fighting against them. In our sermon text, God reminds us who the real enemy is. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. These are really interesting words to look up in a Greek dictionary and see where this is coming from. So these words for rulers and authorities, these are words like for a political ruler or for like a general in the army, except this isn't talking about flesh and blood. It's talking about the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. 
In other words, angels and demons have their own government and organization. They are divided into battalions and regiments and divisions. They're fighting against each other in a nuanced, organized way with all of their might in this world we can't see, the spiritual world. But the thing that they're fighting over is you. So a few minutes ago, right, we're talking about this totally secular worldview where you're in a box and everything in the box is potentially understandable by human beings and everything outside the box doesn't exist. But now, through God's word, we're ripping the box wide open and God is opening our eyes to the fact that beyond our physical realm, there is an entire spiritual realm with angels and demons fighting over our souls. And God and his good angels want you to spend eternity in heaven with them. And Satan and his demons want you to spend eternity in hell with them. So who's going to win? Well, praise the Lord, the Bible leaves us with no unclarity on this topic about who is going to win. God has already won. And so, by extension, have we, through the work of our champion, Jesus Christ. That's what we heard in our second reading today. Uh, well, it says, while you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, nailing them to the cross. And then it says this, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Victory has already been declared. Triumph has already been won in the cosmic battle between good and evil. And it happened before you and I were even born. It happened 2,000 years ago on a hill outside of Jerusalem when God's own son cast himself into the spiritual prison camp of hell and suffered God's punishment for our rebellion so that we, by God's grace, get to have his spot in God's family, in God's kingdom. And then, after the full price had been paid, after he suffered and died, Jesus rose. God raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in the one to come. This comes from the first chapter of Ephesians, where our sermon text also comes from. But do you understand the impact of what these verses are saying? The war is over. So in the heavenly realms, that spiritual world that we cannot see and that we know so little about, the powers of evil have already been defeated and disarmed and humiliated by the strongest weapon that there is, and that weapon is the almighty love of God who came to earth and sacrificed himself for us, and he died, and he rose, and now in the heavenly realms he reigns at God's right hand, and he will continue to reign there until the day that the two realms are merged once and for all. And this is the amazing topic we're going to talk about in two weeks, is the last day when God creates a new heaven and a new earth and the physical material world and the heavenly realms are connected. And you and I, human beings in human bodies, get to spend eternity with angels and with God himself and enjoy his happiness forever. Right now, we don't see it yet in the physical world, but in the heavenly realms, it's already true. Jesus is victorious. And so, by extension, are we. Because in our baptism, we're adopted into God's family. 
In our baptism, we were enlisted into God's army. We were brought from rebellion to obedience, from death to life. And now, God's Holy Spirit lives within our heart, and he teaches us every day to trust God and to do life his way instead of our way. So the point of today is that it's all connected. There is comfort from this victory in the heavenly realms that flows right into our physical present reality here on earth. Paul writes to the Romans, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus is already victorious over all of it, the heavenly realm, the physical realm, and so, by extension, are you. You are victorious more than conquerors. You've won it all. So now what? Now what? The war's over, but the battles are ongoing because the devil's mean and he's nasty. He's not going to stop. Jesus has won for us the victory, but the devil and his demons won't stop attacking us. And so this is the reality, is that our lives and our hearts are going to continue to be a spiritual battleground for as long as God sees fit to leave us in this sin-broken world. But God doesn't leave us here alone. He equips us with everything that we need for our battles. As Paul continues, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. It's a task for a different sermon to go through the armor of God and talk about all the different pieces of armor. If you're wondering if we're going to do that today, no, we're not. We're almost done. We're only going to mention just the first piece of armor. It says, put on the armor of God. And then this is the first thing that Paul lists. Stand firm now with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Truth, God's antidote against the devil, who is known as the father of lies. God gives us truth. So in the Bible, God shares his truth with us, and he does this first and foremost by simply reminding us who our real enemy is. Who our real enemy is is not other people in our world no matter what ideas or opinions or ideologies they might have, our real enemy is the devil. He's the one who's pulled us into rebellion against God. But Jesus has paid the price for all of our sins. He's defeated the devil. He's disarmed him. And now Jesus is pulling us out of the rebellion and back into God's family one person at a time. But this view of things that the Bible shows us, it gives us the power to look at our world in an entirely different way. Where we can look at people we can look at all people. We can look at people who might be on the opposite side of some political or ideological divide. We can look at all people and say, we are all in this together. We human beings have been lied to by the devil. We human beings have been pulled into a rebellion that wasn't even ours to start with. But we human beings have been rescued by the Son of God himself who came and became one of us to pay for us and save us with his life. And so now we human beings can stand together, even when the devil and all his demons are trying to pull us apart. 
And so Paul writes, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And after you have done everything, to stand. After you've done everything, you're standing. I don't know what that verse gives you a picture of in your mind. Uh, For me, it's a picture kind of like this. A group of soldiers standing together after a battle. They're exhausted. They're sweaty. They're maybe blood-stained, but they're still standing. And they've won. I've never served in the armed forces, but I've heard from people who have, and I'm sure you have too, that there is a bond that happens in battle that happens unlike anywhere else in the world. When you're facing a common enemy, when you're facing life or death and you're doing it side by side, you get very close, very quickly, defending each other's life on the battlefield. Anyone who's fought in battles, I think, would vouch for this and say there is no relationship quite like this bond of brotherhood that happens on the battlefield. This is the relationship that we can now have, really, with all fellow human beings. Because by God's grace, we are a band of brothers and sisters fighting off the lies of the devil together, boldly and confidently, and at the end, still standing because we are wearing the armor of Christ. So our closing thought as we get to peek into this heavenly world that's such a mystery to us that we're so interested in, the good and evil that's going on behind what we can see, our first point, first sermon of the series is simply this. It turns out our lives are a whole lot more exciting than we thought they were. (laughs) Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus, your Savior. Amen.